Welcome to Coffee and Conversation, a podcast that's all in the name. Good coffee with great conversation. Here's your host, Larry Vincent. Welcome to the Coffee and Conversation podcast. I am so excited to be with you here today. Uh, as always, I am your host, Larry Vincent, and with me today is someone I have known for, get this, I think, if I'm doing the math right, 19 years. That is not possible. <laughs> 19 years. Uh, she is a dear friend of mine uh, who is uh, one of my favorite authors. Uh, would you please welcome, I don't know why I said that because no one's going to be clapping, uh, Mrs. Carol Wagner. Is it Carol Bond Wagner or just Carol Wagner? My author name is Carol Bond Wagner. My okay. husband would not let me hyphenate my name. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a big dispute. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome, Carol, to the podcast. I'm so glad you're with us here today. Thanks. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Uh, now, uh, Carol, uh, we have to talk about something controversial uh, before we get into the actual podcast. You know, the name of the podcast, Carol, is Coffee and Conversation. Right, it's fifty percent coffee, fifty percent conversation, and you uh, have been part of this growing movement within the podcast, which I believe is trying to sabotage me uh, by not being a coffee drinker. <laughs> we do uh, have sabotage Larry's podcast. Group. I mean, I can't call this thing. What am I going to call it now? Drinks in conversation. That's just that just adds a whole level of theology. I don't want to get into right now. Uh, you know, like I can't call it water in conversation. That's just stupid. Yeah. You know. So we. So I'm still going to call it coffee in conversation. Understand that I will be the one drinking coffee at every podcast. So. And technically, it's your podcast, so you can. Do whatever you want. Yes, I can do whatever I want. Finally, somebody has given me permission to do whatever it is that I want to do. Now, uh, Carol, I know you didn't bring coffee. I did not. I'm not a coffee drinker. But you brought something. I did. What did you bring? <laughs> um, I'm finishing up my hot tea from earlier today. Okay, so you have lukewarm, chunky tea. Is that... <laughs> Not chunky. What did Jesus say about lukewarmness? I'm I'm just trying to remember. Didn't he say that he spits that stuff out? I'm just just pointing it out. Is it still hot? I yeah, I have it in a thermos, so it is kind of warm, and it's more like um, it's a thermos of honey with a touch of tea. (laughs) A thermos of honey, so it's really thick. Really, it's just really sweet because I can't drink it when it's anything less. <laughs> even, even when I drink tea, I have to drink it with nothing in it. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I like a nice bitter tea. It, no. I feel like it represents my life the most. Uh, <laughs> that's completely not who I am actually. Um, all right. Well, as we often do on this show, even though you've drank a lot of your tea by now, uh, we are going to do our first sip. So let's raise our glasses. Okay. Uh, I'm I have my my uh, my what flat white uh, with me, which is coffee and milk, basically. So let's take our first sip. Mm, mm. That mm. coffee is way better than your tea. Um, I'm just just saying. Yeah, I have. This is my second season now. I am pretty sure 
uh, my audience is going to hate my snobbery of coffee <laughs> by the time I finish this season. Well, I'm a snobby tea drinker. Like I will only drink one kind of tea. Um, uh, it, what kind of tea is that? It's Harney and Sons from New York. It's from New York. Wow. You, you fly yeah. that because you don't live in New York. No, I order it online. You order it online. Well, welcome to the digital age, I guess. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, Carol, let, let's get to know you a, a little better. Uh, I, I, I know you somewhat well. Um, after 19 years, I should. Uh, <laughs> tell me, uh, tell the audience a little bit about your faith story, how you came to Christ uh, and where you are now in your faith. Sure. Um, I actually went to church, grew up in church, is I guess the lingo, um, met and accepted Jesus at age seven or something, very young, yeah. and kind of grew up in church and always went um, to everything that, when the doors were open. And then in high school, I became really, really active. Um, that's when I kind of picked up my own idea of what living the Christian life was like. And um, became very devoted to that. And I uh, went to a conservative church. So that definition of faith and Christianity to me was a very black and life, black and white lifestyle. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. A list of rights and wrongs. And I was really, really good at keeping rules. <laughs> so it's <laughs> just my personality. Sure. So, um, so I was good at it. And I excelled at being the good girl. And um, I didn't watch rated R movies or listen to secular music or I was a straight A student and just kind of a good kid um, all, the, all across the board. And then in regards to church, I was very active in my youth group and mm-hmm. read my Bible every day and, and memorized verses. And that was way back in the day. Well, the heyday, I guess, of, you know, I kissed dating goodbye and Elizabeth Elliot's passion and purity and True Love Waits. I think that started, True Love Waits, the whole movement started like my junior year in high school. Right, right. I was like on, that was my thing is my definition of Christianity and faith at the time was purity. I wanted to set myself apart from the world Mm -hmm. and um, save myself for marriage and all of this stuff. And, uh, kind of protect myself. I think looking back on it, that's what I was doing was trying to protect myself from, from the world. And, um, so I thought I had that pretty much, um, nailed down. I was really, really good at it, (laughs) had it mastered and these high set of standards that I had set for myself, um, kind of made me feel safe and, um, it's where my security and my acceptance came from, uh, because I was good at it. And I was like, I'm all good. This is wonderful. This is how I'm going to live my life. And then uh, right around the age of 23, I had graduated college, and um, (laughs) that whole kind of personality and identity came crashing down because I had sex for the first time, um, which was premarital sex, which, you know, goes against everything I um, kind of based my whole identity on. Right, right. It was a big kind of crisis of faith for me because it was kind of opened my eyes to what was a little bit deeper than just being a good Christian girl and my whole idea of who I was. Like I didn't feel like I was set apart or different or disciplined or pure or anything. I just, I kind of, I didn't know who I was anymore because my whole identity had been based on that one thing. Right. And of of something that I could accomplish basically. Mm. And, um, and then that brought in 
disappointment and fear of what my parents would think or what my friends would think. And um, I was really good at putting off that image of having it all together. And um, not to mention what God would think. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I was doing all of this for him. Right. And uh, so I think that was probably the most pivotal part of my whole relationship with God. Like, um, I still base my salvation and everything to when I was a child. I felt God's presence in my life my as long as I can remember. But this was like the one moment in my life where it got it got down and dirty. And I was just like, okay, (laughs) who are you? Who am I? And, um, what is this all about? And so what kind of still kind of brings tears to my eyes. I'll get emotional. And it was like, I won't say how old I was, how long ago it was. (laughs) (laughs) I will protect that. Um, but was just the tenderness and, and the grace that he kind of extended to me in that period of my life. And, um, I always say that, in that failure and that disappointment, he just embraced me and kind of let me know that, um, that my list of do's and don'ts and all of that really didn't mean anything to him. He wanted me for who I was and, um, wanted to show me that in some pretty extraordinary ways. (laughs) You know, you, you speak to two things that we have really harped on in season one of the podcast, which, I, I, I'm so thankful that God uh, led you to speak about that um, because uh, number one, you know, uh, we teach that everybody has a story. Everybody has a testimony, right? I mean, it doesn't matter if you grew up in church like yourself or if you came to, um, if you came to Christ at a later age, like, like I did, uh, because as you uh, remember, at least I hope you do, you brought me to my first church experience at 18 years old when I fell asleep uh, in the service. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> I, will, I will never forget. Uh, it was, I turned 18 prom weekend. Uh, Did I you or pinch you or something? No, no. You let me sleep. You were very gracious to me. Um, I went to church, the vineyard. I went to the vineyard. Uh, and I, and I, I was really interested in what this guy had to say, but I had stayed up for 48 hours, uh, <laughs> and cause it was prom weekend and I was 18 and like, why was I going to sleep? Right. Mm-hmm. And then I could, the, the seat was comfortable. The coffee was in my hand. <laughs> you know, I was, I had a friend next to me. I was so comfortable and I passed out. I mean, just <laughs> passed out. I could not stay awake for that sermon. And uh, anyway, that's completely off the track. Um, <laughs> we all have a story, right? And, and when you got to that point where you, here you are, you have this, in your mind, this huge sin, uh, you know, that you had just committed. Uh, and that's when God helped you to see that you had to make your faith your own. You kind of stepped out of your upbringing and, mm-hmm. and defined your faith by, through God and through Christ. Uh, and, and that's what we usually say, like, you know, it's hard for people who grow up in the church to, uh, to define the moment where they got saved, you know, because they grew up in the church. Right. But, uh, the question is better asked, when did you make your faith your own? And and you are able to pinpoint that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and then, and then the second thing comes from uh, a, a book that I'm. I, I hope you have read. 
uh, by Brennan Manning uh, called The Ragamuffin Gospel. Of course. <laughs> uh, which is, you know, listen, uh, and, and, and the Christian church, Church of Christ movement, um, in my experience, I have not met a lot of people who have read the book. I have recommended that book to hundreds of people. Um, that was life-changing for me. What's funny is my little notes here is yeah. like, Brendan Manning changed my life. He's one of my bullet points. Whenever. Yeah. Oh, is he really? <laughs> I kid you not. Brendan Manning, he will change. Yeah. I, I kid you not. Brendan Manning, uh, his book, Ragamuffin Gospel, changed mm-hmm. my life. Uh, you know, I, I had been a Christian for a number of years. I was a pastor even uh, when uh, when I read that book for the first time. And this this point that he makes in the book, I don't know if you remember it or not. I'm sure you do. Uh, was the more perfect I tried to become, the less perfect I actually am. Mm-hmm. And your story is a lot like that. You know, you, you lived your life in this perfect Christian bubble, and then the bubble popped. Right. You know, and you realized just how imperfect you really were and how much you needed that perfect God. Yes. You know? So, like, I don't think I'd ever understood what grace was before yeah. that moment or the fact that I needed it. Yeah. I- I did. I thought it was, I had it down. I was like, I'm good. We're good. (laughs) um, Yeah. So I think my, in the midst of that is actually when I was introduced to Brennan Manning. Okay. Discovery of, of where I was and who God was and just his insistence on the never ending grace of God. And those listeners that don't know the story of Brennan Manning, he was (sighs) a Catholic priest. He was an alcoholic. Yep. He never got it under control. Yep. And he was a prominent speaker and writer. I think he's written like 22 books or something. And, yep. um, and he just, he had to live in daily grace. He knew that he could not reach that perfection that I think is kind of prominent in Christian circles. So that, that that's an ex- expectation for us. Yeah. Um, if you, if you don't like, if you don't like reading books, there are two movies. <laughs> you watch. Number one is Rich Mullins, uh, uh, the ragamuffin. Right. And then Brendan Manning's movie just came out. Um, and I, I, I haven't seen that yet, uh, but I'm pretty sure it's, it's good. It's made by the same people who did the ragamuffin. So, yeah, it's not as good as the ragamuffin movie. I feel like I cried, sobbed through the entire oh, ragamuffin. I, I sobbed during ragamuffin too. So yeah, yeah no, so, no shame in that game. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the ragamuffin kind of captured the personality of Brennan better than the movie about Brennan. Did. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm so glad that that, um, you know, that that was an impact for you. Yeah. Um, I, I want to transition from that into who you are today uh, as, as a Christian, because what, what we're talking about, today is is uh, you are now an author a published author uh, mm-hmm. you have you're in the midst of writing a, a third book third book yes. yeah because uh, your first two I always couple your first two books together and I shouldn't do that <laughs> um, but uh, talk a little bit about um, well let's talk about your books and then we'll backtrack to how how you got into that tell me a little bit about, about the books you've written so far Okay, so it is a series called God is Out to Get Us, uh-huh. and it kind of um, is definitely influenced by my own story, but also because in my story, as I went further and further, I started rereading the stories, a uh, kind of a fresh of the Bible after yeah. I learned what grace was. <laughs> I was <just> like, <laughs> oh, these stories are completely different now. I know, and, right? <laughs> 
So I just, and I always had a love for the Old Testament. Um, those were always my favorite stories. Um, studied that in undergrad. Uh, that was uh, my major. So um, I, after this experience in my own life, I kind of started to revisit those stories. And I feel like growing up, and maybe this is true for everyone when they're reading the Bible, is we kind of put those specifically Old Testament characters, or maybe even Peter, Paul, all of them, I guess, on yeah. some pedestal, like, like they had some sort of supernatural power to believe yep. Yep. more than we do. Like they didn't have to struggle in their faith. They just kind of were awesome at it. And the more that I um, studied those stories through this lens now that, you know, I thought I was awesome. <laughs> I was like, okay, now I still need Jesus and, and, and grace and all of that. Then I started to see that they they were basically messed up people too. And they were just living their lives and God invaded on a very deep level and it changed them. And, and they still moved forward in relationship with him. Right. And, but their life was a journey. It wasn't, they never reached perfection. And, um, so that's kind of, kind of how I view those stories and the whole Christian faith in general. I see it in my own life. I see it in my friends' lives. Yeah, it's, God never gives up on us, and He's always chasing after us, and always um, He's out to get us, and He'll do whatever He needs to do to to, to accomplish that, which yeah. is amazing. <laughs> so I, uh, I I did not prepare you for this, um, but I'm going to quote your book now. Okay. Uh, uh, so one of the uh, one of the things I, I love about your your books is uh, your honesty uh, and your creativity. I want to talk about the honesty first. This is from uh, the very first chapter of the book. Um, you you write this sacred history became the filter through which I began to view my God. And I began to realize that they are actually us. We are these flawed yet favored creatures. Their story is our story. And these incredible stories of Eve and Abraham and Noah and Jacob, I began to recognize the driving force in all of our stories. The relentless pursuit of a love crazed deity named I am. Truly, who are we that God would go to such great lengths to captivate our hearts? So true. <laughs> I, I mean, right? You know, I mean that. I mean that is just prolific. I mean that is that is that is that is so good. I remember reading that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we, we we hear these things so often, but yet when when you, when you read it like that, it becomes more alive. And and this is like one of the things that I love about your book. Your your book covers uh, God is out to get us. Um, covers. Old Testament stories that people in the church have heard thousands and thousands of times. You know, mm -hmm. they've almost become white noise, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, my home group went through this book. And the thing that I kept on hearing and that I said myself was that this is making us relive this text in a way we haven't before. You know, mm -hmm. uh, what, what made you... Um, what made you think about wanting to, to write in this way? Like, you know, anybody can write a book, right? Mm -hmm. But what, what led you to write this kind of creative piece in this way? Because this is a bold move for somebody. You're pretty, <laughs> much, you're pretty much taking artistic license to the Bible. Yes, very much so. 
Not in a bad way, though. Like no, my, not in a bad way. Listen, this, this is nowhere near. Yeah. This is nowhere near Russell Crowe Noah. All right, uh, this is. <laughs> if you want bad artistic license, talk about rock lava monsters as fallen angels. That's bad artistic license. <laughs> you are respectful in your in your descriptions. Trust me. Um, I think my answer to that is kind of multi layered. Um, I feel. So the whole idea of these books started when I was teaching a high school Sunday school class. Okay. Back in like 04, 03, something like that. It's been a while. And um, the youth minister basically said, I was teaching the Sunday school class, and he said that I could teach whatever I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had just finished seminary, and I was was like, well, duh, I'm going to teach on the Old Testament because that's my thing yeah and so I had I think like 15 students in that Sunday school class and we started Genesis 1 and I remember that first Sunday school class we all I called it PJ Sunday so everybody wore their um pajamas (laughs) of course they did (laughs) wait 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 high school students bringing pajamas that didn't get inappropriate at all I did kind of get in trouble for it okay fair enough yeah youth ministry you don't ask permission you just do it and then you get say I'm sorry yeah so, that's that's fair that's fair <laughs> so so we all sat around this like makeshift fake campfire and I had them all close their eyes and I read this kind of the creation story that I had written which is like in the first book and um and they were just I don't think anyone fell asleep I hope not but they were just kind of enthralled by it and then the more that we went through the stories by like week three I had students calling me in the middle of the week with questions about uh-huh. what the next chapter entailed. And I was like, wait a second, you're reading the Bible (laughs) outside of Sunday school. So that was kind of a treat for me. And they were hard questions. They were not like simple. What happens next? It was why in the world would Abraham do this? Or I don't understand how Leah and Rachel could possibly love the same man. I mean, they were tough, tough questions. And um, so they kind of challenged me to dig a lot deeper into the story and not just give the squirrel Sunday school answers, <laughs> they wouldn't accept them. So <laughs> they're like, no, I want something deeper. And so it kind of built a little journey that all of us kind of delve into on um, the Old Testament. And so I give them credit for making me dig deeper. Right. And, uh, and, and then we just all kind of started uncovering personality traits of what we saw in these characters and how they might've handled stuff. Because, um, in reference to your question about how I read the Bible now, I might be jumping ahead. You are, but that's fine. But I'm going to answer it <laughs> because, or how that I basically how I came about to this version of writing is that going back to the pedestal where we have them up on the pedestal and we just read about what they did I really just try to immerse myself in the story. And because if they are us and we are these flawed and yet favored creatures, then I understand my humanity mm-hmm. when it comes to my relationship with God. Right. Everybody's different and everybody has a different kind of relationship. But that was the lens that I tried to dig into these stories with is how would my humanity kind of deal with these situations? And then plus my seminary education and, and I love, I have a whole collection of commentaries and books and <laughs> like yeah. avid reader and I love maps. 
and um, been to Israel and, and Egypt and Jordan. So I've kind of been there in the land. And so all of that kind of comes fresh to me also when I'm reading the stories. So some commentary, some ethnoarchaeology, you know, some of that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You, know, uh, you, you actually led me to another question here because in uh, your description of the fall, you actually talk about uh, the perspective from uh, the story from Satan's perspective uh, mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, I'll quote here. Uh, the serpent witnesses the curiosity of the woman and her insatiable thirst for knowledge. He observes how her healthy admiration of the intricate workings of creation breeds more hows and whys. Intrigued by the mystery of everything surrounding her, she relishes in the wonder of God's great masterpiece. The serpent recognizes this inquisitive nature as her greatest strength and a tool he can use against her. What, what led you to that kind of an insight? I feel like Eve was the first person when I studied the Bible to where I was like fully understanding that she was human and that she was a woman. Yeah. And I remember like the light bulbs going off when I realized that. And I was like, okay, how would a woman approach this situation and how would she would respond? And cause we're analytical and we, overanalyze everything. Yeah, right. so, so I don't think as I was going through it and I don't make these decisions overnight, like these stories brew in my head for a long, long time. And, um, I go, well, is this possible? Would he have done this? Or does that fit together with what they do later in the story? And so. And you I, do check your doctrine with other people. I mean, I can attest you yeah. sent, you sent this stuff out and said, I want an honest opinion about the theology here. So it's, I know you just didn't like, you know, just throw this against the wind and say, whatever lands, lands, right? So, yeah, yeah. no, I'm very, very, because I consider these <laughs> Old Testament characters like my good, good friends. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and so, um, I think I mentioned this off, off audio a couple of weeks ago or something in one of our other conversations about. I'm fully aware that I might get to heaven and all of these people will be like, you totally got it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Not even remotely in my personality. And I'll be cool with that. I'll be like, I know I was just, this is how I was learning. And, and, um, but I I do try to respect what's actually in their stories. So let me, so let me ask you this. Um, there's a difference between doing this for a youth group and doing this for a publication like you know mm-hmm. uh, make it publishing a book what uh, at what point did you say man i need to make this a book what what led you to have the drive to become an author a published author um i think i always i was always good at english I, that was my um i had a double major in college so english was my second one always loved writing i mm-hmm. it kind of comes naturally to me i'm very anal about it so i'm not a fast writer, <laughs> but, um, but actually the Sunday school class, one of the um, students encouraged, she's like, you should write a book about this because we enjoyed it so much. They would get into arguments about Rachel and Leah and they would take sides. It was so funny watching <laughs> them through this stuff, but um, because they embraced it so much, they're like the whole world. <laughs> and I was like, y'all are yeah. silly. And then it just kind of, they planted that seed and I started writing and um, two years later, I had the whole book of Genesis written. Um, and then I changed it a lot. That was like my first crappy first draft. But, <laughs> but yeah, and they actually, those students are still involved in the writing of the books. Um, are they really? That's so cool. 
Yeah, one of them is my graphic design artist. So she has she did the cover art, and then um, my first the first person that I read anything let read anything my first drafts is um, one of the students, and she is. <laughs> She's very blunt. I love her. And she'll send it back with all kinds of red marks and just like, nope, this is crap. Try again. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you think that uh, you speak to your human condition or when you write this, when you write this book, do you think that this speaks broadly to all of us as humans? Wouldn't that be my question to you? <laughs> I have my answer. I, I want to hear what you what what you think. Are, I mean, I would hope so. I think, I think we all have the same, like, basic humanity, and we all struggle with the same stuff. And we're still not open and honest about that most of the time. But um, yeah, I would hope so. I feel like for me. God's something in the writing world when you get in interested or involved in uh, writing groups and stuff like that. The one thing they always say is you have to find your voice. Yes. And, um, I feel like this is my specific voice that adds to the world. And um, I don't know that I hope it reached. Yeah, I hope it does. <laughs> That was, uh, that was my, my professional interviewer question. Uh, I felt like I really nailed, nailed the question. Uh, no, I, I have to say, um, I, I, I obviously think you do. I, I, I was trying to lead you into a yes. Um, give you a really, yes. absolutely. Uh, and I'll, t- and I'll tell you where, and this was, and this is what I, I, this is one of the things I love about your writing. Um, you, you said this about Adam for his part, Adam's greatest strength and weakness is his great love for his wife and his propensity to give her whatever her heart desires. Nobody would say that. Right. But it's true. It is so true. It's like, yeah, he, he, he kind of loved her too much. (laughs) You know, like that's how kind of relationships go. I mean, when you see a man in love with his wife, yeah, his whole existence, that's, I mean, that's a basic human kind of, Kind of yeah. thing. I I would have never have considered that Adam was making Eve an idol. Uh, you know, uh, to a degree, mm-hmm. until this point, until I read this paragraph, and, and and that kind of just blew my mind a little bit. I was like, you know, it's not like Satan came in and tricked him. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he did, right? But it was kind of a setup. <laughs> you know, well, that's like earlier in the chapter, that's what I, my favorite part of that chapter is that I don't think this happened overnight. Like the way right. that I set up the story is that the serpent spends time hanging yes. out with them and getting to know them and yeah. becoming a trusted confidant to them so that when he asks these questions, they're just like, Oh yeah. Because if it was a stranger. Yeah. They were like, whatever, get out of my face, dude. You know, <laughs> yeah. So he- he put in the time, which is what he does with all of us. Right. Um, or it would have been, ah, talking serpent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> from the Bible somehow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised Moses didn't put that in there. It's just weird. Yeah. Um, yeah I, so anyway, all this to say, um, you know, there was a definite calling on your life to, to become an author, but 
that was kind of like a second calling for you, wasn't it? I mean, cause that, that's not your main, your main career path is not as an author, is it? No, it's not. But <laughs> the reason for that is because writing books does not pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Touche. Every, every author on the planet will tell you that. And yeah. so, I mean, unless you're Stephen King or something, then you've made millions of dollars. But for those of us who are nobodies, it doesn't pay the bills. And so it's kind of what you do in your extra free time. You get up at four o'clock in the morning and study and write and whatever time that you need to set aside for your writing is, is what you have to do. And you might make money at it and you might not. And that's another thing that you just have to accept. And, and that's kind of where I found freedom to make my books what they are is yeah. when I realized I took the pressure off of myself to become famous and, um, adored and like every sell a million copies and all of that I was like I just know this is my voice this is my message and I'm going to be truthful and, and faithful to that so so you, so you would do you, would you think then that your main calling in life is to be an author it's where I feel the most alive okay fair you know yeah. I, I, I I um I mean, I relate to that as a preacher, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as that my main calling, even though I'm not in a position currently where, where I'm, you know, preaching every week. Um, and so, so let me ask you this then, because this kind of just kind of flips the questions that I was originally going to ask. We're not on script at all. Today. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's fine. This is usually how conversations work in the real world. So I'm glad we get to you know, emulate that for the audience. Uh, but this does, this does kind of like, like, did you struggle with that? Okay. And let me, let me, you said you had to kind of let go of, you know, this, I'm not going to make millions thing, mm-hmm. but let's go back to the old Testament for a second. One of my, one of my uh, favorite verses, uh, favorite characters is Jeremiah. I relate very well to Jeremiah, uh, a guy who's, who says what he needs to say, puts his foot in his mouth and eventually ends up naked somewhere in a field. Um, that's never happened to me, by the way. Uh, I was just trying to make a joke. Um, anyway, want to hear what's that? <laughs> that was his life. His life voice message was telling everyone everything they did not want to hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And I have been known to, you know, be a tad bit blunt in my delivery of things. Um, and, and and there's this verse in Jeremiah. You, I'm sure you know it because you're an Old Testament uh, person, uh, where he says. Uh, I feel like you tricked me. And I know that's not the Hebrew word. Uh, let's not get into that pile of leaves right now. Uh, but he, he says, I feel like you tricked me. I feel like I've been tricked. But, but if I don't preach your, preach your word, it's like a fire shut up in my bones and I cannot, and I cannot hold it in. And I've always looked at that verse as to say, if I'm not fulfilling God's main call on my life, mm-hmm. that it literally hurts, you know? Exactly. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, I struggled with over the last four years of not preaching every week uh, of what does that look like? Uh, you know, how do I, how do I stay true to the call? How did you go through, uh, did you go through the same kind of pain and how did you work through that? Absolutely. I think you do like, it goes through seasons to where you have these big dreams and you're like, this is good. Cause it, as you probably tell from my personality and my testimony, I have a tendency to think I'm awesome. And so <laughs> big dreams are not scary to me. I'm just like, yes, let's do it. Let's go. And um, so I feel like there are seasons to where 
you, especially with writing and criticism and the world that we live in today, you have to have a strong backbone and, um, yeah. and also tough skin because yeah. not everyone's going to love your stuff. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is going to agree with you. Um, it takes a little bit of bravery. And so that's, those are like processes that you go through also of, of acceptance. And then for me, yeah, it's just basically, I don't feel like I am fulfilling my purpose if I'm not writing. Yeah. And be, it doesn't have to be a vocational kind of thing. It can be, because for me, it's, it's technically not, um, it could be, you know, if, if your passion is, uh, working at a food bank or, or serving the homeless, or, I mean, it's, it's just those being the hands and feet of, of Jesus and God in whatever way he has perfectly created and destined you to do it because that's what he does. We're all different. We all have a different way of showing his love to people. Yeah, definitely. And, 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 you know, I know in my context, uh, I have, uh, uh, quite a few people or I've met quite a few people over my career, right. Uh, that have struggled with knowing they're supposed to do something else, Mm -hmm. but they're lost in their current situation. And, and, and that turns into complacency, you oh, know, yeah. and, and, and not everybody has this passion um, like you have to say, <laughs> dag nabbit. I will stop you right there because these books took me 10 years to write. I know they did. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not saying a quick turnaround, Right. Yeah. but you know, you always had that. Cause I, I I've known you, Right. And, and I know how hard you've been working on this. Mm-hmm. You've had this, uh, this ever going, like, this is my goal and God help anybody who gets in the way. <laughs> um, and, and not everybody has that. Yeah. You know, a lot of people say, I, you know, they, they try it, they fail once or, or they don't try it because they don't think they're good enough, mm-hmm. you know, and they just get lost in complacency the rest of their lives. And, 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 and that it impacts their faith in a negative way. So what do you say to those people uh, who have been living that kind of complacency, who have this calling on their life that they just don't feel like they can fulfill? We've all been there. We all go through that. I mean, I can, my old roommate can tell you, I would be writing and editing stuff and basically just throw my computer across the room and it's like, this sucks. I suck at this. This is horrible. And, um, especially when we're putting our, our full selves into something to where we become much more critical. But I, I think that's a basic human experience is when we fail or the fear of failure or, and uh, I think just in my whole relationship with God, he's just slowly brought me through all of that stuff. And it's just like, that stuff doesn't matter. You're here for this purpose. And so he had, he, he had to kind of, yell and scream at me a couple times too. And, or often we argue a lot, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, yeah, I think that's normal. I think, and I go through those ebb and flow seasons also to where sometimes I'm so gung ho and I was like, I'm going to study for eight hours today. And then sometimes I just want to watch TV. And then after a month goes by, you're like, I haven't written a word. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, but I've watched 15 shows on Netflix, Netflix, and so it's, it's kind of just rechecking yourself. And I'm, I'm an avid journal, uh, journaler also, which I think is what keeps me focused. Sure. Because if I look at my journal and I haven't written in it in like two weeks, I was like, okay, 
what's going on? I actually need to start getting back to what fulfills. It's fulfilling to me. So I, I guess it's kind of selfish in that way, but. It's well, so I mean, it should be, shouldn't it? I mean, the things that we are called to should give us joy. And I'm not equating joy with happiness. Mm-hmm. I mean, because we're not always happy doing the things that God calls us to do. No, it's hard but yeah, I mean, but we do have this piece of knowing that we're doing what God wants us to do, you know? Right. I mean, and, and I could say the same thing over the last 18 years of being a pastor, that if, uh, you know, even during the hard times, I've never said to myself, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. You know, and even if I ever did think about dropping this as a vocation, I knew I would never drop this as a call, mm-hmm. you know, that those are two separate things for me. You know? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that whole attitude of never giving up, I think is what, is what you're getting at, you know, that, uh, that our job when it comes to, um, faith, when it comes to a call, uh, is, uh, is to never give up, to persevere. Right. I mean, that was, if you really, if you look at the new Testament, that's mm-hmm. the main message of the new Testament from Paul's mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah. Don't give up. Don't. Yeah. Show up. Yeah. Exactly. You know, keep doing what you're doing or get back on track, but don't ever give up. Right. That was his main, his main message. And I think that's what we have to learn it because it's so easy. I mean, Carol, I mean, you've been a Christian your entire life. I've been a Christian now for 19 years. Um, we both know people who were really strong in the faith two decades ago mm-hmm. who are now c- almost atheists. Like you brought up, you brought up Joshua Harris mm-hmm. uh, and Joshua Harris just two days ago denounced no. Christianity <laughs> and, and Joshua Harris had the, uh, the number one Christian dating book in America mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, what is, what is going, people are giving up all over the place and we can't let that happen. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, and on the flip side that giving up is not the end of the story also, because again, God is pursuing us through all of yes. these experiences. Right. And, um, so I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> That's okay, Carol. Uh, God is out to get us is what you're saying, right? Maybe you should yeah. write a book about that. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm actually, uh, I'm glad you said that because I'm, I'm, I'm just now learning about God's continued grace you remembered. I do. I remember what I was going to say Go about not giving up part is that that's true in every aspect of our lives though. Yeah. Like we go, I think it's normal to go through seasons and to ebb and flow. Like sometimes we're really adamant about going to the gym, going for runs or um, even going to a job. Sometimes you hate going to your job, but you still got to go. Yep. You still do it. So part of it is um, something that I don't think we tell ourselves enough is suck it up and get it done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And no. Or that's I, what I, mean, I say to myself. I wouldn't say that to anyone else. Maybe my husband. But that's what I say to myself. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, people may not uh, believe this, but pastors do walk into their churches some days and they think, I really don't want to be here today. You know, yeah. I mean, that, that is a very real, uh, and I think it's, I think it's a, a real emotion for everybody, right? Yes. But, but I, I'm learning this idea of, of God's continued grace and faithfulness, even when we're faithless, even though Paul has said, and I've read it a thousand times that God is always faithful. Even when we are not, that God is always pursuing, even when we are not, uh, I have never, I've never had to face that practically until recently. 
Uh, and, uh, and I, and this is on the podcast. So people already know this, that, you know, my sister's journey of faith, uh, I defined in a very inaccurate way. Uh, and, and, and I knew it hurt her. And we had this conversation after the podcast of, uh, you know, of what that journey looks like and how she's not given up on the journey, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I shouldn't either, you know, and I think, I think you're, I mean, that's, that's a really good point that, you know, and I know, and I know God hasn't given up. Yeah, you know? no, not at all. And not at all, you know, and so it's, it's just this, this cool idea. And so whether it's our calling or whether it's our faith, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the lesson is don't ever give up. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, Carol, as we finish up, uh, what are you working on now? What's the next big thing for you? Author wise. Say that again. Jacob. Jacob, Jacob, Jacob. Jacob. I keep on interrupting you. Jacob. All right. My first book is um, God is out to get us from the very beginning. And that covers creation through Noah. Right. And then the second book is God is out to get us at all costs. And that's the life of Abraham. And so I'm kind of following. It'll be Jacob and then Joseph and then Moses. And we'll just keep going down the line. You got a title yet for Jacob? I do. <laughs> are, you, are you able to share it? Yeah, absolutely. Nobody steal this. We have proof that I said it first. That's um, right. God is out to get us even when we don't deserve it. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Joseph is one of my favorite characters, by the way. So, Jacob. <laughs> uh, yeah, Joseph's up there. Uh, and, and not the Donny Osmond Joseph, you know, like actual... <laughs> actual joseph all right well carol uh thank you for being on the podcast today absolutely my pleasure um oh yeah complete fun if people want to uh buy a book or Mm -hmm. learn more about you uh where can they find you um i have a a static website (laughs) um god is out to get us.com the books are available on amazon um barnes and noble if there, if you're connected with like a church library or bookstore, you can get them on Ingram Spark. Um, so yeah, or okay. Talk to me. I have plenty of copies. <laughs> I can perfect I can mail out. So, <laughs> uh, can they find you on social media publicly or what? Is there a Twitter account? Is there an Instagram account? Anything like that? Um, yeah, there is an Instagram. God is out to get us, and then I have a Facebook um, group. God is out to get us, and then always, yeah, reach out to me personally. Carol Bond Wagner. So perfect. All right, Carol, uh, we will have you on again because I feel like we should have some. Because we theolo- didn't answer all of the questions that you had. <laughs> no, we, we we really didn't, and this is usually what happens. You know, I, uh, I there are so many different things I wanted to talk about, but you know, when 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 you're in the room with somebody who loves to talk, uh, and you have two people who love to talk, nothing really gets accomplished. You know. <laughs> Okay, that's all good. Yeah, but you know, it was a good conversation. So thank you for being on the podcast. uh, And thank you to our audience for for listening in today. Uh, If you uh, would like to check out uh, Cornerstone Christian Church, which is the one and only sponsor of this podcast, uh, then we would love for you to check us out each and every Sunday at 9 and 1030 in the morning. Uh, You can find us on Facebook at CCC Brownsburg, uh, or you can go to our website, Uh, cornerstonerock.org search and subscribe for the podcast you can either search by my name Larry Vinson V-I-N-S-O-N or 
uh, Coffee and Conversation. You can find us on iTunes. Uh, and if you do, subscribe, share, and review because uh, that helps us get more uh, more viewers, first-time viewers. So, all right, that will do it for here. Thanks for listening to the Coffee and Conversation podcast. Bye, 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 bye.